You're listening to the Live Free Now podcast, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Find us online at livefreenow.show. And now your host, John Bush. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Live Free Now show, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. And man, there, there's just so much going on in the world right now, and things are getting really, really crazy. And it seems like the tyranny and control and chaos and disruption is being accelerated at a very breakneck speed. So never before has it been more important that you are taking really big measures and really big steps in order to be more responsible for the things that you need in life. And chief among those things are or is food and the ability to provide for yourself, to, to nourish yourself and your family. Uh, nonetheless, there's still a lot of people that are completely dependent on grocery stores which themselves are dependent on these centralized, really vulnerable supply chains. And as many of us have been saying for years, if not decades now, uh, there's going to be supply chain disruptions, there's going to be inflations, and now here we are. So today, we are going to be joined by Marjorie Wildcraft of the Grow Network, and she has a free webinar coming up on October 23rd. That's this Saturday, if you're watching live all about how you can learn to grow food and who better to teach you than Marjorie Wildcraft. Marjorie is also going to be presenting at the Exit and Build Land Summit, which is November 6th. That's also free. You can sign up at exitandbuildlandsummit.com, exitandbuildlandsummit.com. You can register for the webinar coming up this weekend using one of the links below in the description. And I hope today that we can provide some motivation, if you're not motivated already, some motivation on why you need to be growing your own food, why you should consider getting the heck out of the city. And uh, on top of the motivation, some practical tips and skills that you can take home and apply in your backyard. All right, let's go ahead and bring on our guest. Marjorie, how are you? Hey, John, I'm doing great. It's always great to join you. Um, there's always such bad news that we have to share, but uh, the cool thing about talking with you is that you're so empowered and you're just such a wealth of knowledge. You've been doing this for so long. So thank you for, for coming on and sharing um, some of your wisdom with our guests. Well, you know, John, actually, I was just reflecting back to, I think it was like a dozen years ago and I was interviewing you and I was like, hey, John, what is this Agenda 21 thing? And you were explaining to me what Agenda 21 was. And um, here we are. They've changed the name to 2030. But, I mean, it's amazing. I, in one sense, I have to stand back in awe at how well orchestrated and coordinated and how this thing has unfolded. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just, you know, this thing absolutely has been in the planning stages for decades. And we're living through it now. Um, and as you said in your preamble, um, you got to be growing food. You got to yeah. be growing food. You got to be building community. We got to be getting back to some real basics if you want to make it through this decade. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. And 
You know, I, I, I'm with you. I'm in awe of how well orchestrated and how well thought out. They've been planning this stuff, literally certain families and have been planning it for generations. And I think that we need to adopt that kind of big picture view as well. Um, yeah. You know, in all this COVID-19, everything got really accelerated and in institutions and industries that were already kind of fractured and breaking apart and, and divisions that were already there have just been exposed. But in many ways, like I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins and um, I actually saw him in person, which was pretty cool. He went for on a five hour rampage, just blowing everyone's minds. But one of the things he really hammers on is how we can choose to see the world as though things are happening for us, not happening to us. And so one of the things that I choose to do is, is see that all this stuff is panning out this way for a reason. And we get to take part in this, you know, they're trying to create this great reset. We're trying to create a greater reset. We're trying to create a new normal because the old way of doing things wasn't working and their new way of this technocracy certainly isn't working. So now's our opportunity to do some new things too. But like you were saying, the new is the old. Right, well, one of the conversations that you and I had back those many years ago is you were like, look, they wanna, you know, uh, they, they wanna destroy the commercial agriculture system. They wanna have, uh, you know, they wanna have pedestrian based cities. They want, and I was like, John, I'm totally behind that. And, uh, you know, on one hand, yeah, I, I get it. You know, let's shut down uh, factory meat farming. It's horrible. It's barbaric. It's it's terrible. And, you know, the, the whole processed food industry is churning out empty, toxic calories. So, yeah, you know, that I'm, I'm glad to see those systems breaking down on one hand. On the other hand, for people who aren't ready to embrace these changes, it's going to be very, very, very hard. And as a friend of mine said, there's there's a lot of people who are probably going to leave the plane because they don't want to be a part of this journey. So, but um, I feel down the road, what ultimately is, it's going to be incredibly good because the road we were on was completely unsustainable, right? It just if it takes twelve hundred calories to get hundred calories of food on your plate, wow, that ain't going to go on for long. And that's way the way things have been. So. Um, it's got to break our financial systems, our governmental, so corrupt, just unbelievably corrupt. Like, hallelujah, you know, like, <laughs> it's falling apart, you know, yeah. right? But then on the other hand, it's like, oh, shit, I'm hungry, <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, or, oh, my God, they don't have that drug at the drugstore, you know, so there are, we're going to, we're going to all have to adapt. But, um, yeah, I do believe it's one thing about humans, we're incredibly adaptable, we learn quickly. We're a very highly cooperative species, um, and we're, we're gonna we're gonna make it through this. And I I don't think that tyranny is gonna end up winning, even with all the technology they have. So, yeah, they're, I think they're in a play a weak place, and they're like freaking out and trying to pull out all the stops to accelerate things because they see that they're losing. Um, maybe to kind of light a fire under people that are watching under their rear ends, can you share some of your insights and, and what you've gathered from the news and some of your analysis when it comes to inflation and supply chain disruptions and why what you've been saying for decades now is more important than ever? Yeah, well, first of all, the commercial food supply now and for the past decades is completely toxic. So you don't want to be eating that crap anyway if you care about your health at all. So you should have been growing your food for a long time. Now with the possibility of that stuff not being available, it's even more so. So to highlight, um, I've just been on this insane two-month, 11-city trip, you know, networking, promoting the business, teaching, you know, the whole thing. And um, everywhere I go, you know, I'm in a store, 
one, I'm moving house, so I'm in the U-Haul depot center, and I look on the wall and where they normally have ties and 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 tape and stuff for packing, uh, you know, almost the entire wall is empty with just hooks there and a few items. You know, I go to the, the drugstore to pick up um, another mask. I keep losing these things. I, I really am not into it. And, you know, a, almost everywhere I went, about 10% of the shelves are empty, if not more. So you, just all kinds of random places, you know, the, the gas station in Vail or the, uh, you know, the... Um, the, the little uh, target in San Marcos or, you know, this supply chain thing, breaking is a real deal. Consumer price index or the, um, I'm sorry, the UNFAO has a bench line on food prices around the world. And it's a slightly more honest metric than, you know, the U.S. government's consumer price index is a completely fictitious, <laughs> I mean, really, <laughs> a mystery thriller, actually, <laughs> but you never get to know the real answer, who did it. Um, uh, so the FAO price index, I mean, it's up 40% in the last 12 months. Um, and it's going to go more. I look at the hyperinflation, I've overlaid graphs of the M2 money supply, M1 money supply, with the money supply in Weimar, Germany. I mean, we're talking about next spring that you're not going to be able to afford to eat. You know, a beer will go from being $10 a beer to $100 a beer to $1,000 a beer to a million dollars a beer. I mean, that just seems in inconceivable right now, but we are on that trajectory uh, right now. And then, of course, it may not be available at any price. So we're there. And I can give you a little bit of the background on how this is really in lockstep with a plan. So you and I'm sure everybody here knows about event 201 funded by Bill Gates predicted it was done in September, 2019 kind of predicted a pandemic in 2020. Wow. Amazing. And it kind of all like just followed the plan. The same thing was before uh, 9 11, there was a simulation of some airplanes flying into a building. So, not every simulation they do um, materializes, but in 2015, there was the food chain reaction simulation that was funded by Cargill, which is the world's largest privately held company. And they are basically the company that controls the entire world's food supply. Every aspect of production, shipping, processing, manufacturing, they're everywhere. A completely privately held company with no, um, no real governmental, any kind of personal oversight anywhere. Um, and they, they did this simulation in 2015 and they said, the simulation was this, hey, sometime in 2020, there's gonna be like this major disruption and then there's gonna be flooding and there's gonna be drought and there's gonna be fires and there's gonna be freak weather events that are gonna really hammer the global food supply. And the price of food in the first year is gonna go up by about 40% then it's going to go up another 100%. And then every year after, there'll be up another 100% or so. Now, they did not take into account hyperinflation, but we are exactly on track with 40% increase in food prices within one year. Uh, and we're well on track for 100% food prices by next spring. So uh, these guys uh, did take their website down. You can still see trailers for it and little snippets about it. But when it came to 2020 and this actually started happening, they took the food chain reaction game website down. I wish I had more of the back end date on that. That's very interesting. But 
it's a part of the whole program. And, um, you know, bottom line is if you want to eat, which I tried breathitarianism, <laughs> it didn't last that long. <laughs> I like to eat. You need to be able to produce your own food or be in partnership with somebody who does. You need to figure that out. Yeah, and so tell us about this webinar that's coming up on the 23rd Saturday, this Saturday at 2 p.m. You're going to teach people some of the basics and get them started on growing your own food. I mean, I don't know why people yep. aren't doing it by now, but we're, we're, we're here to help and hold some hands so people can get started. Why don't you tell us about the webinar coming up? Yeah, so as you know, I mean, I've been talking to you for many, many years, but even before that, I was very aware that the system was wired for collapse. And I have spent the last decades trying to figure out the fastest, the easiest, and the best way to take somebody who knows absolutely nothing, is probably overweight and or older, and how do you get them producing food very, very, very quickly? Like, what do you do? How do you break it down into bite-sized chunks, into itty-bitty steps? How do you make it simple? What should they focus on first? Because it's got the most calories and the most nutrition, and it's the easiest. And, you know, what should they focus on second? What should they ignore? Why should they ignore it? Um, you know, what are distractions? Uh, and how to get started given any time of the year? Because I know, you know, I work with people in Toronto, right? I work with people in Puerto Rico. I work with people all over the world. Like, what time of year is it? Australia, you know, down under, <laughs> you know, regardless of the time of the year. So we'll be going into that. And I've spent the last 20 years really just figuring out because I always knew there would be this just-in-time crisis hitting what generally tends to be a longer-term solution. Um, but you can do it. Everybody can do it. All of your ancestors did it. They didn't have Google. Most of them didn't even know how to read. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got our website up there. Thank you. Yeah, well, there's the, um, the login for the, uh, the webinar. Yeah. It's October 23rd, Saturday, and what I'll be doing is going over like condensing 20 years of trying to figure this out uh, into a one hour webinar. The most popular part is the Q&A session afterward. We have a live Q&A. And uh, so bring your questions and bring your specific questions about your area or your problems, because usually it's gonna be applicable to somebody else. We've been having um, thousands and thousands of people sign up for these webinars now because a lot of people are waking up and um, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. And you've been at it for so long. I remember the backyard food production systems and all these DVDs that you put out. And it's really uh, cool that as you go, you're kind of honing in and fine tuning the educational process. Because I think um, one thing that you and I think are both good at is teaching people, right? And it's not just being able to grow your own food or set up a cryptocurrency wallet it's having the skill to be able to communicate that to people. And I think that you yeah. uh, more so than anyone that I know is really good at teaching people how to grow food. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. In that first video, the, um, if anybody has a copy, they're getting kind of rare, the food production systems for a backyard or small farm. It was exactly what it was. There's no sex in that title at all. Right. It's a terrible, I'm not a marketer. I wasn't back then. I've had to become one. But that video, the feedback we kept getting is people were like, wow, we love this. This is amazing, but it's overwhelming. Can you break it down into step-by-step -step pieces? So that's what I've been working on all these years is figuring out what is the easiest way 
to get somebody up to speed um, producing food in a grid down situation. You know, there's a lot of great solutions and they require electricity or, you know, all these other things. I'm like, I'm not into gadgets. I'm kind of a, I get dirt under my nails. Uh, <laughs> I'm one of those people. Yeah. And that's healthy to get all that dirt all over your body and not to yeah. be washing your hands all crazy. All right. So I want to pick your brain on some of the stuff that you did in uh, Red Rock, Texas and the community that you built and uh, share give some teasers on what you're going to be sharing at the Exit and Build Land Summit. But before we do that, let's uh, let's throw out some, some fundamental foundational knowledge when it comes to growing food. Now, you mentioned uh, low calorie. And you talk about like low energy input for maximum calorie output. Can you kind of share what you mean by that and why that's important? Yeah, I can give you one of the examples of a system not to do at first, right? And there's a lot of high-tech people that want to do this and that would be aquaponics. And it sounds so sexy. You got the fish there, they're pooping, and then that turns into fertilizer for the food. And it is a really good system. And if you're really high tech and that's what you wanna do, grow food no matter how you do it. Like, I don't wanna discourage you. But from a caloric production, most aquaponic systems only produce like lettuce or spinach or greens, right? And then the fish themselves are one of the lowest calorically dense foods um, available. So for example, up in the north, um, the, uh, Iro the Iroquois, but then also the Indians further north that I'm trying to remember their name, even though they had plenty of fish, they wouldn't eat it because it would not keep them warm. They wanted elk and moose and bear. They needed, you know, they needed real calories and fat to sustain them. So uh, fish is a great thing. Uh, and aquaponics is a great thing, but it's not super calorically dense. Uh, so what is calorically dense? Um, you know, chickens, uh, chicken eggs, eggs, uh, ducks, having ducks uh, for eggs. Potatoes are some are the most calorically dense food that you can grow in a garden. Um, you know, we need to talk about, I know like the calorie has been an evil word for decades. Um, it's about to become the unit of a currency. <laughs> Like it's about to become the unit of a currency is how much, how many calories do you have? Can I trade you this for a Snickers bar? <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's definitely more important than carbon being the unit of a currency. Um, when you were talking about that food chain reaction simulation, I, I was looking it up and I saw a headline from Car this is on Cargill's website. Yeah. Food chain reaction crisis simulation ends with global carbon tax. I guess that's their solution right there. I am still trying to figure out that leap. I really don't get it. I still haven't figured out that leap. And I'm actually working with, um, we're looking at doing a bunch of op-ed pieces and trying to get into some of the bigger, um, um, maybe not the publications that any of us would really subscribe to, but you know, like the New York Times or Washington Post or some of these guys who are actually kind of on the axis of evil over there. But, um, op-ed pieces that say, hey, if you have a, if you have employees that are growing your own food or if the company is growing food for its employees, they should be getting carbon credits. I mean, I'll play the game the way they're making the game up, right? So, um, but growing your own food is absolutely going to cut down a huge amount of uh, environmental damage. In fact, um, the catalyzing statement for the GROW Network is to stop the destruction of the earth via homegrown food. 
because the commercial food supply is so toxic and so poisonous to the earth. It's, it's absolutely the most destructive planet, uh, uh, the most destructive force on the planet. So even if we didn't have all this that's going on, growing your own food is just probably one of the biggest pieces of activism that you could do toward really uh, working with the earth and living a better life. Yeah, and, and you could tell that those in power, uh, the powers that wish they were, as some people call them. Yeah, you know, the, everyone says the powers that be, and it's like, no, we're the power. They're the ones that wish they were the power. The words of wish they were. I'm That's right. Um, they, the, this this group, and it's not like a shadowy group. We know who no. a lot of these organizations and entities are, and the Rockefellers always come to mind. And it's like, if they really cared about the environment or the well-being of the human beings on earth, they would be advocating for small local farms and small production. And they rightfully connect the dots that factory farming and shipping food from China to the US is not a sustainable way to get food on the table. But their solution is like plastic fake meat, right? And taxing everyone to death and more centralization through global governance, uh, when in reality, decentralization, connecting with local farmers, growing your own food, building local resilient communities is the solution. But in many ways, they're fighting that through Agenda 2030 and herding people into compact cities and making it hard to live in rural areas. It's nuts. Yeah. You know, that's another op-ed piece I wanna do is that um, without an army, of backyard producers, and I'm actually trying to come up with a better name than an army, but without an army of backyard producers, humanity will die because we do not, that is how all of the heirloom seeds that we have came here, was from your great grandparents said, look, I want a squash that lasts, can, I can sport all winter under my bed and it'll be good in the spring. And so they carefully selected over many, many generations, a squash that would do that. Um, all of the right, or a pig, a pig that grew a lot of fat. Uh, again, fat is an evil word right now. Fat is an, the most valuable thing to anybody who's truly living off the land and living off, um, you know, what they produce. And they, they, they bred pigs that were docile and easy to work with, and that produced a lot of fat because it was such a valuable nutrient. All those genetics... Um, are required by a vast group. So the organic farmers do not have time to do all the experimentation, right? And God knows we do not trust any of the agricultural research stations or any of the, the university stuff has been so co-opted. It, it always has been backyard producers. Everybody had a kitchen garden and everybody, you know, would play around with one or two things. And, and we as backyard producers have a little bit more time and a little bit more space and then the way that used to get back to the farmers where we would, we would have regional fairs and there are still residuals of this all over the place. In Poteet, Texas, they have a strawberry festival. In Arkansas, they have the apple festival. You know, this is where people came together and they showed off what they had produced. And the farmers would go, oh, yeah, well, that's pretty good. I'm going to use that species, right? So um, that's the regional fairs were the way that we all communicated and shared. But if we don't have a whole baseline of people that are growing food, saving seeds, experimenting. Um, we Really, literally, we won't die. I know they've got the seed vault in, in uh, Swallows Board, and I know they, they've got seed vaults and, and they're doing that, but uh, that's not the way life works. And um, it, it just isn't. 
uh, and we've got to have the the biodiversity. And then that that come, for useful food plants and medicine plants that comes from a whole bunch of backyard producers experimenting. So, um, you know, I, I actually wrote about that in the book. I've got a book. I don't know where it is. Anyway. And in that book intentionally is that message and it's intended for the, we'll just call them the World Economic Forum group. You know, to be honest with you, John, I've reached out to them. I'm like, I don't care who you are. If you want to help me get people to grow food, that's my focus, right? Um, you know, I'll even teach Monsanto employees how to grow food, you know, right? Like, I don't, like that is the solution, right? The more people that have that kind of practical experience of what it takes to produce food, to plant a seed, to watch that thing grow, to harvest it, to have those failures when everything dies, to learn that humility to nature. We all have to do that. And, and But I have been rebuffed by them over and over again. It's been, been very interesting, which makes it very abundantly clear that this is their, their overview message really does seem to be just lip service. Yep, they're definitely a fraud. I'd love to see you speak to them. There's actually some decent human beings that have spoken to their audience, and it's just one of their clever marketing ploys, I think, is to present themselves as the people's champions. And a lot of the Great Reset language is to save the environment and benefit the earth and to help the downtrodden masses and to create more equity and such. But there's an inconsistency between their means and their ends. They have laudable ends and we share many of the same ends. We care about the environment. We care about regenerative agriculture and we want to help lift everyone up, right? Rising tide lifts all boats. But uh, it's very clear that their whole agenda is just about control. And I think a lot of these elite folks, they reach the place in their lives where they have so much wealth and money they're no longer after that. They're after some kind of psychopathic control, like this megalomaniac kind of weird thing going on. So they are definitely out of touch with reality. It's true. <laughs> it's true. They suck. Yeah. So they I don't know what to do about them, but I would, you know, I still pitch them. I'm like, hey, can I speak at your event? You know, I, I don't care. My whole purpose is to get more backyard food production. I don't care who's doing it. So, by the I way, that is a that. thing about the, the GROW Network is we are politically neutral. We're dietarily neutral. I mean, we have vegans and we have carnivores and we have everything in between. And then we're also, uh, you know, religiously non-neutral. You know, I mean, we, we all welcome every religion and all of us have a deep connection to our creator. Uh, but we just don't go to those places. It's a very safe cooperative, um, you know, it's a very safe, cooperative, loving, giving space. And we keep it that way. And we, we like that. That's who I want to be surrounded with. We share a lot, you know, like, oh my God, I just tried this new way of uh, trellising tomatoes and it was really awesome. Or we got this one guy who's building this amazing underground greenhouse and he's got all these sensors and he's sending us data on what it looks like and how he built it and what the, what the temperatures are. And like, you know, so there are people all over the world that are sharing. As I said earlier, I really inherently believe in the cooperativeness of the human species. And part of the purpose of the platform uh, of the Grow Network is to be a platform for that type of sharing uh, globally. So, and we're we're achieving that mission. It, it's only taken a, a dozen years. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's right. Keep at it. Persistence. Yeah. And I appreciate that because uh, food really is the great uniter. It Even, is. You know, Trump people, Biden people, whatever, various religions, everyone can come around the table and sh and break bread together and and uh, talking about growing food. When you ask someone about their garden, they just light up. So it's a great opportunity. to. I, I love to tell that story about you coming out of you'd been banned from City Hall for a year for being too vocal. Uh huh about Agenda 21, apparently. And then they'd let you back in. <laughs> and I'll tell me if I've got this mostly correct, because I love this story. And you're like walking out after having said your piece and you can't help yourself because there's these two guards outside and they're wearing these, you know, whatever the 45 on their hip or whatever. And you point to them and you said something about, do you guys realize that you're just a pawn for uh, enforcing the violence of the state like everybody else who came in this building was checked for guns nobody has guns so why do you have guns on your hips right and it was a really good point you know and apparently the guards are like they knew you and they were like <laughs> you know and they started talking about their gardens and just kind of ignoring you well you were standing there and you know you had a garden going and chickens and this is back when you were homesteading uh you made some really fabulous videos at that time and so you're sitting there and then you kind of jump into the conversation. It'd been really hot summer. There was this variety of Israel tomatoes that were doing well. And, you know, you guys were all jamming on this and like going to start swapping seeds. And then the judge who has now come out of chambers comes walking down the hallway and he too is a gardener and joined the conversation. There you guys are, all of you, you know, 20 minutes ago, completely in contention. And here you are, you know, getting your phone numbers and going to pass seeds around. I'm like, that is, that's what I live for, right? Like, I really honestly believe that we can come together over food. And yeah. Wow, you have a great memory. <laughs> There's so many stories like that from my own life that I don't even remember. I need to write this stuff down. Maybe. Well, that was your, you told me that one. And I yeah. was like, yeah. yeah, it's the great uniter and everyone's so divided nowadays and there's it's a purposeful division. It's part of the plan, the dividing right. conquer thing. And so what we can do is good activism is to have compassion for one another. Even folks that are all like militant about COVID or mil they want mandates or whatever. I see in many ways they're victims themselves of all this manipulation and fear. And and anytime you turn on the television at night, it's just cranking out fear propaganda and you can you can just kind of understand like i see why everyone's freaked out i see why people don't i see why people resent me for not wearing a mask or for not getting vaccinated because they've been programmed to think that i'm some kind of enemy so i don't want to show up and actually manifest that by being an a-hole i want to show up with a smile and help someone with their groceries or, or whatever and then it kind of creates that cognitive dissonance where people are like maybe the tv's wrong and these people are pretty decent human beings to, to go back to another point that you were talking about, um, you know, being able to grow, one of the first things that you're going to learn when you start growing food is that you cannot do it alone. You have to have community. And it's very, very simple because you can't like genetics. Let's go to genetics. Um, you know, you've got a rabbit tree and you got some chickens, right? Well, you have to have several other families or more in the neighborhood with other chickens so that you can, you know, keep the genetic pool uh, active and viable, right? Uh, the same thing with all the species of plants that you're producing, or just, you know, grid goes down, 
you can't possibly have all the skills you have. A lot of people, I'm like, I really recommend, um, you know, rabbits as a great food source. And a lot of people go, I just couldn't butcher a rabbit. I said, no, not yet. You'll be able to. But I bet there's some hunter in your life or a fisherman who would not have a problem with that at all. <laughs> That's one example of community, right? Um, I don't have all the medical skills I want to have because there are other people who have spent their lives doing that. I want them in my community. <laughs> people ask me, hey, Marjorie, why don't you have bees? And I say, because I have something better. And they go, what's that? And I say, a neighbor who has bees, you know, like, like you, duh. Yeah. <laughs> so community is so vital. And um, it, it's so delightful too. I mean, it really, yeah, you got to get over some things. Like right after a while, you'll learn. Oh, let me tell these people to go away. You know, you'll learn, like I learned, like, oh, my God, okay, we don't invite Beth and Tom at seven when it starts. We invite them at seven because uh, we invite them at six because they're always late, you know, right? <laughs> or, you know, I mean, you kind of learned it, but, but that's what community is about, right? You know, turned out he was an, a fabulous tree climber and tree trimmer and made these amazing things with kids. I mean, he, they, he had incredible skills that you wanted. He just could not do time, right? So you know, you learn that as you, as you do things together. And, and that's the real joy of, of building community and having community. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the idea of buying land, building community on the same property, or perhaps just building with neighbors in the same area like you did there in Red Rock. Um, before we do that, though, somebody has a question here. Vin Lago says, will Marjorie's seminar allow for Q&A? Yes, absolutely. That actually is the most favorite part of it. So I'll do a bit for about 50 minutes to an hour of like all the core concepts that you need and then come with your questions. Please come with your questions and we will answer them and get you started. Uh, you'll come away from this webinar with a whole plan for how to get started, uh, what you need to do first, and you'll know why you're focusing on it. You'll know why it's important and why you're ignoring the other things. Um, and you'll be very empowered. You'll be able to do it. Awesome. Citizen Debs says that he or she registered for your seminar. Uh -huh. So it's taking place Saturday, October 23rd, 2 p.m. You can click the link in the description there to register. I shared it in the comments here. I'll share it here again shortly. There's really no reason why you shouldn't do this and every reason why you should. It's absolutely free. And uh, Marjorie definitely puts on a good show and we'll get all your questions answered and we'll share a whole, a whole lot of knowledge. Uh, Yesenia says, this is someone from my childhood, she says, our land is bad, our ground is all rock. Do you have any yeah. suggestions or recommendations for someone yeah. plant in the ground? Everybody's land is bad. You know why? Like, the people who founded this country knew the value of good soil, because in the 1700s and 1800s, even in the early 1900s, you didn't eat if you weren't growing it, right? So they knew the value of good soil. So, you know, like Austin, Texas is right in this fertile spot by a river, right? That's where most things are. And of course, now it's all concreted over. And primarily, you know, they, they strip all the soil in the subdivision. So nobody has good soil. We're just going to assume you have terrible soil. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, you know, look at other possibilities such as uh, working with chickens or goats or other livestock to help you build the fertility you need. And then I'm a huge fan of raised bed gardens where you just go out. It's a, it's a small you know, five foot by 12 and a half feet long. It's like a 50 square foot bed. Start with one, maybe two. You only need 100 square feet per person. 
fill it up with the best quality buy soil you can buy. Consider that one of your preps. And uh, the better the quality of the soil, the happier you will be, the more productive your plants will be, the less insect problems you'll have, the more food you'll get out of it, the more forgiving it will be of your erratic watering schedule. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. yeah. I, um, I'm showing on the screen here uh, for the podcast audience. This is something similar to iBuild. I mean, the internet has all sorts of free plans. And yeah. um, my fiance's tiny home that we lived at for a couple of years while we saved up to buy our homestead, it's all rocks. So I guess it's nice landscaping. It's easy to manage, but you can't plant in the ground. So I built a big bed like this and then got a bunch of little containers. Uh, nice. It's not plastic. It's like this... Um, it's almost like a cloth and it's a simple container that's really easy to, it's lightweight, it's really big. And so we just made a little garden there above ground. We got some really solid soil, uh, some frog, I forget what it's called. Maybe you've heard of it, something frog. Oh, that's a great brand, yeah. Yeah, it's a little yeah. pricey, but when it comes to soil, it's absolutely critical. And that's, so it already that's, that's a prep, everything. yeah. For sure. I love that one that you had, it's a little higher because it's really good for elderly people that can't bend over. Yep. I yep. really recommend uh, the cinder blocks. Just get mm -hmm. cinder blocks and stack them up too high and build the bed out of cinder blocks with some weed barrier underneath. Yeah. Because then also if you're older or not as in shape as you'd like to be, uh, you can sit on the cinder blocks and be able to reach into that bed and weed or, or yeah. plant or do everything you need. Uh, and then the cinder blocks are cheap. They still are cheap. They're, they haven't gone up quite like lumber has. Um, they're also portable. I used to work with a lot of military who are like, hey, we move every two years. I'm like, I know move, moving cinder blocks for the military wasn't a problem. I don't know why. But they would bag up their soil. They would bag up their blocks and they would ship that with all their stuff to the new place and go again. You know, Excellent. So, yeah. Excellent. All right. Cindy is asking, where can we find the best info for soil? Also, how many chickens is best to have? I would recommend you start out with six laying hens, and that's a very specific reason for that. One, you want six because they're a flocking animal, and they like to be around other birds. Um, and I go into a whole reason more in the webinar, but the bottom line is uh, if you have one hen, it's going to go neurotic because it's going to try and eat and protect itself all at the same time. So it needs a group. You don't want too much more because then you've got a whole lot more chores and feeding and stuff. And six hens will, will lay about 1,500 eggs in a year, which is a really good amount of eggs. For you alone, that would be three egg omelets every day for breakfast with 33 dozen eggs to give away to friends or family. So they produce a lot. Uh, also, it makes a, you can make a coop for it in, a, in the size of a parking spot, a coop and a run. So it's a very good size for a beginner. Now, regarding soil, that is something we could spend days and weeks upon. <laughs> um, the Grow Network has tons and tons of resources on growing soil, cover cropping, amending soils, homemade fertilizers. In fact, one of our, our freebies, I think when you sign up, after you sign up, we'll give you a bunch of freebies. And I think one of them is um, the 50 free homemade fertilizers for free, which helps you uh, build soil and keep nourishing your existing soil. And I am so glad you're asking about soil because that shows you're very smart. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's absolutely critical. One thing I love the Grow Network, it's such a, a resource. One thing I like to do, so you head over to thegrownetwork.com, thegrownetwork.com, and there's a little search bar here. You just put in soil and then voila, you're just presented with a wealth of knowledge. And it's all how to 
practical hands-on tips that uh, Marjorie and her crew have been compiling for, for years now. Lots of really valuable wisdom. So yeah. here's the book. I found it. Yeah. Yeah. I read through the book. It's, it's really good. It's really simple, which is what I like. A lot of times stuff is just kind of like, okay, now I'm overwhelmed and I don't, I, now I've overwhelmed leads to inaction, but your book is so simply presented and consumable that it's a really good tool for people uh, to, to make things happen. And I see there's a link on the website for folks. If they just head over uh, to yeah. the site, you could purchase the book uh, right here. So the book has been very, very carefully designed over at least a decade of exactly what do people know in small bite-sized chunks so that they can actually implement it with a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, is it called edutainment now? But stories that teach, you know, stories that give you examples that empower you that teach. Uh, so that way, as you're really enjoying the book and reading it, because the stories are interesting, you're like, oh, that's why we do that, you know? So, um yeah, yeah, Penguin Random House. You want to talk about the system? <laughs> Penguin Random House. I was like, yes, I'm going with them. I had 18 right. publishers. 18 publishers bid on the book, and they wow. Won, of course, yeah. Congrats. That's awesome. I'd like to write a book someday. It's just how long did it take you to write? Well, you know, a couple of decades to build up the thing. <laughs> yeah. And then um, I did it during the lockdowns in 2020. I was like, hey, universe, you don't have to shut the whole planet off in order to get me to focus on this book. <laughs> nice. That's another example of, the, of things happening for you, right? The universe happening yeah. for you, not to you. All right. So we have a free summit coming up. It's called the Exit and Build Land Acquisition and Community Development Summit, or the Exit and Build Land Summit for short. It's coming up on November 6th. And like the webinar on the 23rd, uh, this Saturday, it's also free. People can register at exitandbuildlandsummit.com, exitandbuildlandsummit.com. And don't forget, we dropped links to Marjorie's webinar in the show description. Marjorie, you're going to be one of the presenters, and yep. I believe you're going to share about your experience building community in Red Rock. Do you want to kind of give us a little, little teaser of uh, what you plan to present on and, and how people can take advantage of that in their area and do the same thing? Yeah, sure. So, you know, like a lot of people, when we initially realized we needed to have community, we thought about getting a big chunk of land, but building all the infrastructure just seemed onerous. I mean, houses and roads and meeting halls and kitchens. And and I said, wait a minute, we live in this rural community where there already are houses and roads and kitchens. Why don't we just work within the existing community and build and strengthen the human bonds. And so we went on a very carefully uh, constructed program to, and we were doing this all under the radar because we did not want anybody to know about Red Rocket at, at that time. It's kind of become a thing, but we, we were looking to find the people existing in the community that were already doing it. We were also looking to educate the people in the community that wanted to live this lifestyle, but hadn't quite taken all the steps they wanted. And the third was we, were, we attracted people to the community that had skills that we wanted. And um, yeah, it's a very simple system. And I'll be talking about exactly how we were able to make that happen um, and, and just how many families you need. And it's really surprisingly easy to do and a lot of fun. Uh, and you can do it very, very safely because I'm very aware of uh, OPSEC, right? You know, you want operational security. You don't want everybody knowing all your preps and stuff, right? So how to do this in a way where you maintain your security and yet you manage to network 
with other people and build the resources that you want so that your community can thrive uh, during difficult times. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I remember going to one of your seminars you put on at a church in Red Rock. Uh, it was about the, the dentistry stuff, the natural dentistry stuff. And I remember being blown away by the volume of people I saw there. And I was also like, I feel like I'm pretty connected here in Central Texas. I was like, who the hell are all these people? Wow, it was a huge crowd. You packed the house. So sounds like you uh, really had some success in, in building it was, out there. Yeah, it was kind of like this whole underground networking thing. And um, it really works. And I'll, I'll be showing people how to do it. And it's, it's actually really simple. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah, and so the, it's the Exit and Build Land Summit. And one of the big terms that we use is intentional community, right? And mm -hmm. what we want to present intentional community as is it can be we all go in and cooperatively buy the same piece of land and we maybe we split it up or we subdivide it or we co-own it through an LLC or a trust or a homeowners association. I'm sorry, a, a condo association, which is a cool way to do it here in Texas. You can do that with land, not with like an actual apartment kind of deal. Um, and that way you can avoid some of the property taxes and such. But it's also about buying your own property because our first, we just bought 10 acres. And the first time that we did this, I didn't want to go in with other people because that yeah. could lead to problems. There could be trouble. Who's in charge, you know? Um, in fact, I always joke around. There's this old George W. Bush quote where he's like, it'd be a heck of a lot easier if it was a dictatorship just as long as I'm the dictator. <laughs> totally. That was, that was kind of my thinking with the land. Like if I'm going to be investing a bunch of money on this down payment and paying this mortgage and stuff, like I kind of want to be in charge here in case something goes weird. And if someone shows up and they turn out to be a total a-hole, uh, then we're just going to give get rid of them. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but it's not about buying land and splitting it, co-owning it, although it is about that too. It's also about buying your own piece of property and then building community in the area. So you said not only did you have people that were already like-minded that moved there also, but you went out and you built inroads and connections with the existing community. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So really kind of the most simplest technique to do is just to regularly host an event um, that is on a topic that would be of interest to people that you want to be in community with. So, and if you don't have any good speakers, just get a film. Like I think there's a Bill Mollison global gardener film. That's all about permaculture. Uh, and just, you know, we, we would just show that in the community center and put up signs everywhere and advertise in the little thrifty nickel uh, and people would show up and you'd go, wow, you know, like, and you get to meet them and you're in kind of this safe community center space uh, you know, so you're not like revealing anything about yourself necessarily. And you're, and you're getting to meet people. And you, we would just host those events every few weeks to every month. Um, and, and sometimes finding really good speakers. We had some speakers on, on alternative currencies. We had speakers on living off grid, setting up a solar systems. We had, we bought trees in wholesale and distributed them. We had tree planting classes. We had gardening classes. So all this stuff that, and, and this is all skills and stuff you want anyway. So you might as well organize the class and just have your community take it with you, right? <laughs> I love it. What, so what are some of the things that the community would do to benefit one another? I, I mean, I would share seeds, share supplies, share oh, farm absolutely. equipment. Yeah, and, and another thing we did was we would organize work days. Uh, you know, so um, one gentleman, he built these amazing concrete dome houses, but he didn't have a good kitchen. And so we all just we'll, we'll show up and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll work all day Saturday 
and we'll we'll build the kitchen for you. You know, make sure you got enough materials in place. And uh, you know, um, somebody else wanted a sweat lodge. It was crazy. So we built this sweat lodge, and then we would all go sweat together there, which was absolutely insane in August in Texas. But it made the rest of the year really warm. I mean, after you've been in the sweat lodge in Texas and Austin, like the there's nothing that's going to bother you after that. Anyway, lots of stuff, um, you know, uh, planting. We did a corn planting project where we all planted corn. Uh, we did another project where we raised chickens together and we raised a big flock of meat chickens and shared up the labor and the cost and everything and then and then processed the chickens and shared the chickens. So that's a great way if you don't have room for a flock of meat birds and somebody does, you know, get a couple of families together and, and, and raise up 200 birds and share them, you know. So we did lots of great projects like that. It was a lot of fun. Um, and it, it kind of becomes like that extended family you really always wanted, except for that these people kind of, you've kind of selected them and they also get it about what's going on. And, um, you know, like that. I love it. Many hands makes for light work. We just, uh, so the Freedom Cell Network, for folks that feel like they're all alone in their area, we built this community. There's over 26,000 people globally now, which I think is pretty wow. cool. It's all like-minded people. They get how things are going wrong, but more importantly, they are interested in, in solutions. And uh, we recently hosted the little work day. And interestingly enough, there was eight people that were at the property. That's our magic number for a small group. And then you link up with other groups of eight people. But I just wanna share this picture here. This is uh, our first little, garden beds that we got started. Uh, we did some hoop gardens because I'm waiting to put the fence in because that's going to be a whole lot of work and take a little bit of capital. So I laid out this these tarps and, and killed the grass underneath this big plot. And then I realized like I may have been a little overly ambitious because we're not going to be able to fill that plot yet. And we have a horse on the property and there's deer on the property. So we're just going to start with these little zones. But we were able to do all of this in one day's work with the help of uh, myself, uh, Brad, who lives on the property with us, and two other people, maybe three for a little while. We were able to do all this stuff. We got a lot of plants in the ground, and it really is important. And and absolutely, it's it's critical actually if you are going to be able to to become self sufficient, which is kind of a misnomer because you're never really self sufficient. It's like yeah. a community sufficiency. So I can't stress enough the importance of of building community. And it's, it's more fun. Oh yeah. yeah. It's more fun to do it with a couple of buddies and some friends. And, and, you know, we did it one time, somebody called me up and said, Marjorie, if I bring you a trailer full of tomatoes, could you use them? I said, give me five minutes. So I call up a couple of other families. Somebody has this great kitchen with a dishwasher. <laughs> Super important. Cleans the glasses yeah. really well. Right. Somebody yeah. else had cans. We had the can. I called the guy back. I said, yeah, can you bring the trailer over? And so three or four families, we spent the whole morning, canning tomatoes everybody ended up with cases of tomato paste and you know we were when you got tired of doing this you could hold the baby and pass the baby around or when you got tired of doing that you could chop or you know i mean it was so much fun and then the, hearing about the gossip and the jokes and the you know so much fun so yeah i and i think that's something we really 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 long for i know i do like really that that deep connection people that you can count on. Uh, you know, one morning Dave and I were working and I sliced open my leg with a piece of uh, sheet metal. Uh, Dave, you know, rushing me to the hospital. I'm holding the wean. We're trying to get there before I bleed to death. He's on the phone. He calls a couple of neighbors and bam, you know, they're there. They're taking care of the kids. We don't have to worry about that. You know, they're taking care of the livestock. 
you know, just having people you can call. Yep. That's what it's all about. And you know, the government and there's all these plans to, to break people apart, just the lockdowns alone, take trying to take away people's human connection. It's very clear, especially the great reset in this fourth industrial revolution, they want people to be behind the computers and they want people to do business through zoom. And, uh, now there's all this weird metaverse stuff where it's going to be like this augmented reality or this, uh, like a virtual reality where oh, you spend yeah. most of your time. My kids watch this movie, ready player one all the time. It's a really good movie. Um, that. I've heard enough references to it. It's now. awesome. Uh, and most people, they just spend all day in this little virtual reality life. That's where they spend their life. And, um, we can counter that by getting outside, getting our hands in the dirt, learning to grow our own food, uh, moving outside of the cities and the smart grid controls and, and growing our own food and, and building community. I think it's absolutely critical. So, uh, I want to thank you for coming on the program. If you just want to give uh, a last elevator pitch on how people can uh, learn about your strategies and, and your wisdom when it comes to growing food and, and why should they should uh, attend this webinar this Saturday. Yeah, well, this the webinar, the link that you have, John, and really, uh, it, even if you have no experience, you're older, you're out of shape, come attend this. If nothing else, I'm going to try and condense 20 years of everything from running barefoot with crazies in the national forest to... I've been I've experimented with every type of way of growing, producing food, and eating food, processing food, storing food. This has been my passion and my mission for the past two decades. You know, come to this webinar. I will give you a download. You will walk away a whole lot smarter and with a plan, with actionable steps, and the confidence and inspiration that you can actually do this. So, and you can. <laughs> Excellent. And I've shared and promoted some of your webinars in the past. They always have rave reviews. People get so much value out of them and they're absolutely free. So there's really no reason why you shouldn't uh, register today. All right, Marjorie, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining Bye, us. John. Thank you for yeah. all the work that you're doing in the world. Okay. We'll talk right. to you later. All right. You take care. All right. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Again, this is something that we should be doing. We should have already been doing, but now with all the inflation and the supply chain disruptions and all this evil treachery and tyranny and technocracy going on, uh, it's never been more important that we learn to grow our own food. So follow the links in the show notes, follow the links that I shared there in the comments, sign up for this webinar. It's coming up this Saturday, October 23rd. And then don't forget to register as well for the Exit and Build Land Summit. Exit and Build Land Summit. Marjorie Wildcraft will be one of our featured speakers. And she's going to share how she bought land, built community in Red Rock, Texas, and how you can do the same thing in your neck of the woods. All right, this is the Live Free Now show, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. I want to remind you always to stay happy, be healthy, and live free. Peace. I'm out.